It's time for JT the Brick. JT, the man, the myth, the legend. It's amazing some of the dummies that follow me. I don't know. No one knows. Whenever we crack a microphone, we're one of 32 NFL teams with the flagship station. I expect everyone to talk about the Raiders every day when I have a Raiders topic. There's not a game on this schedule against anybody if Jimmy G's ready to go with this offense where you can't say to yourself, you know something? We can win this game. We can win this game. People are going to go and buy tickets to come into our building because it's the best time in all of football. Now I got your attention. JT the Brick. 13, 13 is the bye week. That is bleeping real right now. Everybody gets the full playbook. You run the playbook faster. The plays get in and out of the huddle quicker. And you run the plays like you ran in Henderson. And you run them to perfection in the game. Do we all agree? Fair enough? Woo! And now. Because you're a pain in the ass. Here's JT the Brick. Ready to roll. Hour number two on the flagship of the Silver and Black Raider Nation Radio. Brutal loss. Unacceptable. Dominated by what would have been a third or fourth string quarterback that got an opportunity to play and played well, and the Raiders can't rush the ball, 39 rushing yards. Big issues that we have to talk about. If you want to use that word, clean up, we'll get to that. Always a pleasure on Monday to welcome Sam Munson. Joins us from PFF. The analyst there does an unbelievable job. Sam, let's begin with the Lions. What happened there? I guess the three and outs early and Baltimore scoring on those early drives just buried them. Yeah, the the game script, I guess, got away from them early because of the way it went, but they were handled on both sides of the ball pretty comprehensively. I mean, they didn't have a first down until midway through the, the second quarter, at which point they were already 28 nothing down, and there was really no coming back from that. Um, their offense couldn't get anything going. Lamar Jackson, on the other hand, looked absolutely fantastic, playing at an insanely high level, and his receivers actually – met him there this time, which hasn't always been the case for the Ravens this year. Yeah, it's just shocking that Detroit, I know we've talked about this, Goff's been an MVP candidate for most analysts that are out there and the regression in a game like this. I could see the Ravens scoring because Detroit had an off day defensively, but how good is that Ravens defense from the front all the way to the back end? I think it's very good. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a group that has talent top to bottom and they're playing extremely well. They're causing opposing offenses, all kinds of problems. They're, they have a good scheme to go with the talent that they have. Yeah, it, it, it's been impressive all season long, but this was probably its finest hour. Uh, for the Steelers' win over the Rams, 14 unanswered in the fourth quarter there. Look, I, you know, I think they're evenly matched, both those teams. I don't think the Rams or the Steelers' one team was much better than the other. But for the Steelers to travel and for the Steelers to get a game 230 yards overall for Kenny Pickett, he didn't throw a touchdown, but he didn't have an interception in the game. Uh, what do you see here? What's the main improvement with the Pittsburgh Steelers from the start of the year? The big thing is, I don't think there's a huge improvement necessarily, but Kenny Pickett has been playing better recently, and it's really just a case of those playmakers taking over. You know, the scheme is not helping them out. They're not being put in a great position to succeed. They're basically being told to go out there and win one-on-one battles, and they are. Um, They have a really good group of uh, talented playmakers, and yesterday in particular, George Pickens was the guy that had the big day and was a couple of Uh, inches away from making another couple of big plays during the course of it. Deontay Johnson coming back is big for the offense as well. They have a lot of really, really good playmakers, and those guys are able to overcome the play calling and the scheme and the fact that they're not um, being put in a great position to succeed all the time. 
Sam Munson's our guest from Pro Football Focus. The Browns win over the 49ers. That was a missed kick. But the Browns were in the game the whole way with a backup at the time. Then they beat the Colts 39-38. to I'm just sensing this is a playoff team because they're winning ugly, but they're on the win side of it instead of losing it. Break down the Browns for us. Yeah, they needed some help to win both those games. But you're right. These are important wins. And, you know, every time they get a win when their quarterback is not healthy or not playing, it buys them a little bit of time um, to, to get him back healthy. But ultimately, I think they're going to need Deshaun Watson back and healthy and, you know, approaching his better play if they're going to make that noise, even with the defense playing as well as it's played most of the season. I think the defense still had a pretty good game yesterday, even if you look at the scoreline, you, you wouldn't think that was the case. I mean, they made a ton of plays. Miles Garrett was all over the field. Um, Gardner Minshew put the ball in harm's way a lot and wasn't necessarily punished for it the whole time. I think that defense was still in a really good spot, but even with the D looking like one of the best units in the NFL, they're not going to be able to beat all these teams consistently without some better quarterback play. Sam Munson joins us. I was in Chicago for the Raiders' loss to the Bears. Tyson Bajan, 21 at 29, 162, a touchdown, no interceptions, and he was only sacked once. Were you more impressed by his composure and his play or more just shocked by the Raiders' defense that looked like it was playing better in a complete no-show? No, I thought Bajan was quite impressive. I thought he was solid the week before as well, outside of a couple of mistakes, which were big ones, you know, a fumble, a turnover. But outside of that, I think he looks like he can run the offense and he can be efficient and maybe he won't bring the big playability that Justin Fields has, but I think he's probably bringing a more efficient baseline than Justin Fields is right now, uh, or certainly has been for most of the season. And the offense can definitely function with Bajan out there. So I've been impressed by him uh, for, the, for the first couple of weeks we've seen from him, and it sounds like we're going to get at least one more to see. Sam, uh, the Bills... Bills are bizarre to me. They could be so explosive like we saw them against Miami and what they've done when they put up some points. But here they're one and two on the road. Mac Jones makes plays to win that game late. You know, it just looks to me like the Bills are going to be one of those wild cards, which they should be. And it's going to be really difficult for them to get to the Super Bowl having to do it all on the road. Yeah, I think that's probably true. Um, their defense struggled yesterday a lot. The Mac Jones didn't make any big mistakes that he's made the last couple of weeks, but that game plan that New England had of getting the ball out of his hands quickly, um, short passing, his average depth of target was only um, you know a few yards. His average time to throw was just over two seconds, two point three seconds, uh, and the Bills' defense couldn't get any pressure on him, and they couldn't take away where he wanted to go with the ball. And then they had some nice run after the catch plays as well. And Buffalo's defense just never made an impact. I think that was a a real concern for them. The pass rush is going to disappear when the ball comes out that quickly. But with no Matt Milano at linebacker, you know, the the whole sort of center of that defense just changes. The Buccaneers are one and three at home. They blew a good start to the year. Baker, 42 attempts. For 275, a touchdown, an interception. And Desmond Ritter, to his credit, again, I can't believe, Sam, you and I are talking about a year and a couple of games where a quarterback doesn't throw a touchdown, not one, and wins the game in Desmond Ritter as they win an ugly game 16-13. Yeah, it was the first game this century, apparently, where a quarterback has turned the ball over three times in the red zone and won the game. Wow. Uh, And Ritter's performance was 
kind of strange. They were using him. They were tapping into him as a runner, which I think is an important thing for that offense to do. He is athletic. He might not be as athletic as Marcus Mariota, but he's not a million miles away. And using him as a runner is an important uh, part of their offense, I think. They scored the first touchdown that way. They should have scored another touchdown that way. Um, but Antoine Winfield managed to knock it out just before he hit the goal line, and it became a, a turnover and went from should have been putting them up two scores to, to it keeping it as a three-point game with the Bucks getting the ball back. Um, but for the last few weeks, you know, he's at least looked more prolific with the ball in his hands. He's been able to pass it deeper downfield, get it into the hands of his playmakers, and if he can avoid – you know, a catastrophic volume of turnovers or at least being punished for those turnovers, which was the case yesterday, then they can win games like that. Sam Munson, as we wrap it up, PFF. Sam, I wanted to get what your your idea of how to stop the push that Jalen Hurts is doing on the short yardage play when you look at the tape, because if it was a running back over the top, you know, you just send a linebacker over the top and hope you meet him there or you're loading the box with two big defensive tackles and a linebacker right behind the tackle, and it's not even close that they're stopping the play. What are you going to guys talk about on the podcast or when you're just sitting around having a beverage and you see that play knowing it's almost going to work every time? Yeah, there's not many ways to stop it, to be honest. When the Eagles execute it the way they do, which and the important part here is that nobody else is executing it the same way the Eagles do. You know, they are mm-hmm. they have the secret sauce. Everybody else is trying to run the same play and it's not working anywhere near as well. Um, but when you execute it the way they do, which is Jalen Hurts being a part of it, the offensive line being a part of it, the push from behind being a part of it, and they're even sort of adding little elements to it. The the tackles are kind of folding back in behind the, the surge from the initial uh, interior offensive line and adding like an extra push uh, in a second wave, it's tough to see how you can stop it because defenses aren't allowed push the same way. They're not allowed sort of get linebackers and, and drive behind the, the defensive tackles. That's against the rules from their side of, of the ball. So it is difficult to see how you can stop it, but because nobody else is able to execute it to the same kind of degree, I don't think you can just say it's uh, it's an unstoppable play because, you know, we can see other teams failing. Sam, last one. Do you think it's going to be an aggressive trade deadline? Because I, I'm meeting younger and younger GMs, and the Raiders have a younger GM, and it's not like the old days where they didn't make a lot of moves. Just they didn't back in the day. And I see with the NBA and the baseball trade deadline that maybe some of these GMs are in their late 30s, 40s. They don't want to wait until the draft or after the draft on cutdowns. They want to get their team going for next year, either getting rid of some bad salaries or maybe finding that one player that can help them get to the next level next year. How, how aggressive do you think this trade deadline will be? I think there'll be a few moves. I mean, we've already seen one today with Kevin Byard getting traded to the Eagles. I think also with the new um, wave of general managers and these guys sort of changing how they value draft picks, um, and it's not – necessarily that these picks are sacrosanct and you have to build through the draft. I think teams now have an understanding that sometimes a mid-round draft pick is worth uh, an established NFL veteran. Um, and okay, you, you have to factor in the contract as well, but there are moves to be made that absolutely make sense above and beyond the value that you're going to get out of a, a third-round draft pick next year. So I, I think definitely there will be moves. I don't know how many of them, but it's always difficult to make those values align. 
Um, but I think absolutely there are going to be teams that are going to be making a few moves and trying to improve their, their, their team this year. Thank you, Sam. Always a pleasure. Talk to you next Monday. Have a great week. Anytime. Take it easy. You got it. Sam Munson joining us from Pro Football Focus. Always a nice, pleasant conversation, which I'll be doing more of. I'm going to be talking more NFL. I'm going to go Raiders crazy on this channel. But I got the other show at night, a couple nights a week, the podcast. I'm doing a YouTube Live every Tuesday, and it will not be Raider-centric. It won't. It won't. At 3 and 4, uh, there's other teams I want to talk about. I want to keep all of our listeners engaged with the entire NFL. The NBA's coming up and starting. we got the Golden Knights. So you'll get plenty of Raiders out of me. But on certain days, my priority is sports talk. And today, the sports talk is all Raiders. But we have Sam every Monday. We got into it there. Tyson Bajan beat the Raiders, and a lot of fans are having a tough time with this one. As I said, coming back and traveling with the team, which truly is a pleasure and an honor, and I I really enjoy it. It's nice to be able to have that luxury of getting on the team plane and being able to make eye contact with coaches and players and have a little bit of that, but that was a tough trip. I I wanted If they would have won the game for two days, two days I would have told you about every bar I hit, the hockey game against the Blackhawks. I got story after story on how great it was, sitting in Harry Carey's with two of my buddies, watching college football at Harry Carey's and talking to Raider fans. It was a glorious time until the game. And then the game was a really big, as you would say, buzzkill. It was a bad buzzkill what happened in that game. Justin in Miami, you're up next. Thanks for waiting. Go ahead. Hey, JT. I'm actually West Long, but uh, mm-hmm. so yeah, this this game was wow. It was really hard to watch. <laughs> uh, I think a lot of the problem is the lack of communication on the field. A lot of the guys they just look lost. They just they don't even look like they want to be there. Half of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, the defense. The only person that even has any type of fire is Max. Otherwise, everybody's just in, in like zombie mode, and it just—I think that's the, one of the biggest problems. You know, it's just—it's that the communication. The it looked like Chicago were playing. Chicago were playing against a bunch of slugs because they were just moving really slow. And I'm like, mm. is it really take this long for a play to develop? So yeah, yeah. I, I just uh, the other—I've had to turn off like a lot of the social media because yeah. some of these fans, man, they're just, uh, I, well, I look, just everybody, everybody has an opportunity on social media. We have an open forum here with phone calls and all that. Um, a lot of the yeah. people on social media, a lot of people on social media can give it and they can't take it. They sit there and they oh, are yeah. just miserable, miserable human beings that, and there's not everyone, of course, not everyone. I never say everyone, but there are, there's a group of fans inside the nation who are just yeah. miserable, and they have the right to be upset about losses, but they don't. They don't. They don't get it. They they're keyboard bullies that throw it out there. Yeah. Ooh, and if you ever get in one of their faces, they never show up. They're never at the torch. Yeah. They're never at the jail yeah. lot. They're never at the remotes. But man, they get aggressive on social media, and we're here for everybody. Some some are yeah. better than others, but yeah, you lose a game like that, a lot of people are going to get worked up, man, fired up, and uh, yeah. take it out on their thumbs. Yeah, I, I tried to explain this all. I was like, look, we've had 12 coaches in 20 years. We mm-hmm. can't keep going, keep buying, keep getting rich. That's just not going to work. It's just not going to yeah. work. Yeah, appreciate like, the call. The Steelers uh, have had three coaches yes. in 40 years. Well, the Steelers have won and had a lot more stable seasons. Thanks for the call. Look, if coaches and GMs and players don't win, coaches, GMs, players, 
they're out of a job. Everybody knows that. This is a, this is a business on winning games. And it's just a question of how long is it going to take you to win games and turn it around? Or are you going to get the opportunity to coach longer when you're not winning? That's what it's been about. And it's not, that's not a Josh McDaniels topic. That's for everyone. Everyone in this league. From Ron Rivera to Brian Dayball to Raheem Morris to others we look around. I mean, they're, they're all quality men who put their entire life behind the sport and are dedicated to it and have to still balance time with their wives or loved ones, kids. They're always away from home. It's a tough life. They get paid a lot of money for it. And the results are what keeps their job or how they lose their job. you got to win. you got to win. And I think that this team, as of yesterday when I was in Chicago, they don't look like they're close to winning. That's what bothers me the most. If they lost the game to Tyson Bage in 31-28 and they had some explosive plays, Eric Allen, I'm trying to get the sound before the end of the show, Eric was unbelievable in the opening. It's live now. If you're in Las Vegas on Fox 5, Channel 5, Eric and I, we do this every Monday. We come in here, we do Raiders press conference live around the coach, his press conference, and then it airs at 1 o'clock here. And Eric Allen is just brilliant. I just sat there and listened to him, set him up, and he was very upset about the fundamentals, a lack of fundamentals on the defensive side of the ball. He played for Buddy Ryan. He played for Buddy Ryan. There's a Ryan in this building, too. Okay, Rob Ryan's in this building. They know how to coach defense. It's just a question of where is the miss in communication? Why aren't the players playing better with the season on the line? Yesterday felt like a game where the season was on the line. And with the season being on the line, we didn't get the effort of a team playing desperate. That's what bothered me the most. And, you know, it's going to bother me for a couple of days here. This is what we do here. No doubt about that. Russell, excuse me, we have... uh, let me get to Murph in Buffalo. Murph, appreciate you. Go ahead. Hey, JT. Uh, I was excited for the game this week. Really thought they were going to play a lot better. Um, I said last week I thought the defense was going to play a good game. I was excited to watch them, but not this week, obviously. Yeah. Um, I don't know what's up. What, what's up with Marcus Peters? I mean, that whiff on third down looked like he didn't even try. Yeah, well, he didn't. Let me let me just say that today. again. As the sun as the sun's going to set in a few hours here in Las Vegas, I think that Marcus Peters, <laughs> Marcus Peters, is a guy that has to be looking around saying, "Do I want to do this? Do do I want to address my teammates and and say what happened yesterday with the twenty four jersey that Charles Woodson and Willie Brown wore." And he's been a hell of a player. When he got the job here, I was very excited. We were thrilled to have him here, man. He's an Oakland guy. Yeah. All of that. His dad never wore a jersey other than an Oakland jersey. We wanted to work out well with Marcus. But Marcus played so poorly and showed such a lack of effort that he needs to get in front of the media. Doesn't have to be me. Could be Q. Could be Vinny. Whatever it is. He's got to be called to the mat and asked what happened. And why he didn't want to play at a level of intensity and physicality. And if he can't do it, if he's injured, he got a shoulder problem. I don't know. I don't think that's the case. He just did, he looked like he was checked out in that game. And he's a hell of a player his whole career. I don't judge him on one game. I'm just really disappointed in that one performance. Agreed. Agreed. And you know, you like to see he's a veteran. He's supposed to be a leader out there. You know. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I was just once again, it was a disappointing game. But my, my biggest disappointment uh, this week is, is McDaniels. And I'm not calling for his head or anything like that. You know, uh, it's, it's not easy 
uh, obviously coaching in this league, uh, a lot of good teams and other coaches and, and what have you. But just, I don't know, just some more questionable calls, in my opinion. I, I don't know. I look at it like, am I seeing something different? I mean, you go for it on fourth down, and then you don't want to go for it on fourth down. You take a field goal. It just doesn't make much sense to me. Um, I know he's got other thought process going through his head with analytics and whatnot, but, you know, that that kind of stuff, it's like you're just giving up almost. You know what I mean, JT? Yeah. And I was just, once again, it's like this is – He's made a few questionable calls earlier in the season, and I was hoping he's getting through it, and, you know, mm-hmm. he, he cleaned it up. So, I mean, that's what I'm hoping for. Yeah. Um, yeah this team can't play, and thanks for the call. This team can no longer play for field goals. Can we all get out of here? I'm done in about a half hour. Can we, can we all agree on that, that this team has got to be done kicking field goals? I mean, there's got to be – I'm not talking about boy blunder, Brandon Staley, where they go for it on every fourth down in their own zone. I don't mean that. But I mean, once they get to the 30, we know how good Carlson is. If it's third and 14, you kick the field goal. If it's third and three, third and one, fourth and one, you know, it's fourth and two, just go for it. Just get Devontae off the ball with an in or an out route on a quick throw and just pick up the first down. Because I have zero confidence today that you can line Josh Jacobs up seven yards deep. Count it with me. Not five, seven yards deep when you got to go one and hand it off with the whole building knowing and Jakob's there as the fullback. That's over. It's not working. I'm not saying it can't work here and there, but every defensive coordinator is begging the Raiders to run the ball up the middle on fourth down or third and two. They're just not going to get it. They're not running it efficiently here. And I think that's got to change. Roll the pocket out. Roll the pocket out. Give the quarterback an opportunity to see some green grass where he can dive forward three yards and get a first down. Make it a little bit different. Make it look different. Uh, Jorge in Vegas, you're up next. Go ahead. What's happening? Hey, JP. Out here actually in uh, in the 408. But, mm-hmm. um, hey, appreciate you taking my call. I, you know, I emotions aside, and everybody who has a, a emotions today and yesterday and the rest of this week is, is completely entitled to them, you know. But I think – the one, the disappointing fact is that I thought that I told myself this year was when we were going to be, you know, this was when we were a year away from really establishing our arrival. That's what I told myself this year with the expectations. And I, I really thought that, that we were preparing for that, um, you know, getting to the game real quick, Diablo being out. I think that really affected mm-hmm. our, our defense. You know, he had 10 tackles last week and then, and then he's gone. And I think it's just unacceptable that you just don't tackle uh, a, a, a third string running back. Like that's just ridiculous on the offense. Uh, JT, I think, I think they got it wrong and not doing anything on the offensive line. Our, our quarterback combination is becoming a liability. And I really didn't expect it to get to this point. Jimmy G has a high floor, but when he's getting exposed, open to, you know, these tackles, it's going to be a, you're going to have to compromise and, and that puts him at risk. And so I feel like that was just a mistake. I thought it was going to not get to this point and it was really, you know, I really trusted that this offensive line being consistent, not upgrading, it was going to be enough, but mm-hmm. it isn't, you know? And so I think the Raiders need to be in the end zone at least five times per game and, yeah. and score four out of those five times. AD. And let me just say this last thing and I'll be out of here because I know you got to get it done. But mm-hmm. starting from today, I just want to say anyone who's just putting the, the semantics out there that, 
the the Lions are just a better team. Historically, the Lions are not a better team than the Raiders. And mm-hmm. so don't forget that they are also known for blowing things up. And so yeah. I get it that they've started and they've been consistent. And, you know, I'm not anyone to judge uh, a professional organization, but that's going to be a worse game for the Raiders to lose than this one. And so it should be said from today, don't mm-hmm. back down from anybody who's saying that the Lions are going to bounce right. back and be angry. So just want to say that, JT. Okay. Thanks for taking my call. Thank you. Appreciate you it. Time. Here's what I thought going into yesterday would happen. The Raiders would beat the Bears. I think 90% of the Raider Nation thought that. And that Detroit would lose a close game at Baltimore. Baltimore's a better team. Detroit got embarrassed much more than the Raiders did. I mean, what happened with Detroit, when you look at what he's done, what they've done there, that that's a burn-the-tape game for them. The game was over quickly. The Raider game was over pretty early, too. The Raiders had 12 points. The Raiders should have beat the Bears, and they they didn't make it close. So the Lions didn't show up. They just got blown out early, and they couldn't come out of it. They just couldn't. It was over. The Raiders could have got back into the game. They had multiple times where they got the ball back, and their offense couldn't do anything. Well, if you do that against Detroit, you're going to lose even worse. If you keep giving the ball back to Jared Goff, he'll find a way against the Raider defense to score. So embrace the shootout. Follow me with this last one, and then we'll come back next, and we have Levi Edwards in studio. What I think needs to happen now is the Raiders need to play, and the coaches won't agree to this, and this is, that's fine. They've got to play faster and more desperately. They've got to come out. I don't know how they're going to do it, maybe with the help of Devontae, Max, whoever it is, to come out in the first quarter and treat it like the fourth quarter. They've got to say, if we don't come out of the gate fast, and if we don't play well early, We have no shot to win. Let me repeat that. If we don't come out, hair on fire, five wide, trick plays, Trey Tucker deep, Devontae crossing over the middle with Jacoby, whatever they do, if that doesn't happen in the first quarter in Detroit or the first quarter against the Giants or the Jets and they go more conservative and still go three and out, then my head's going to pop. It's really going to pop. Because you got to change up whatever's going on, which I said in the monologue. 0-5 going east, slow starts, no chemistry with the offense, no ability really to come back, and a defense now that played their worst game by far because they lost a physical battle to the point where several players are being questioned, and one in Marcus Peters is being questioned more than anybody in the league today. So just rip it all up. Rip it all up. And do something crazy, fun, wild. Make it fun. Make it fast. Make it explosive. Because it ain't going to get explosive with a couple handoffs up the middle and it's third and two. And everybody's desperate, biting their fingernails off, trying to get a, trying to get a conversion. Because when it doesn't happen, punt. And you're behind again. They have got to play at a different pace. They've got to play with more desperation and more focus. I hope they can do it. I'm surprised they haven't been able to do it. Raider Z in Sacramento. Go ahead, please. Hey, JT. Uh, no disrespect intended. I don't want this call to be taken wrong, but I'll try to put it in a thing of the, the comparison of head coaching and, and football is a, like a high-pressure sales job, high-pressure where, where you can practice great. I mean, you could do role-playing great. You could train great. The building could be great. All that could be great. you got to close deals, and if you don't close the deal, you don't win. And with yep. all due respect on against the Ravens compared to the Lions game against compared to the Bears, the Bears were arguably the worst, just 
dumpster fire team of of the year, and they they brought a division two quarterback and and just ran. It, it was it's we know that we know that. Anyway, to, to go for further, and I know you don't you, you don't like to agree with this, and you can't. I mean, I understand it's a flagship station, and you guys get paid a lot of money. You got to you know you're somewhat company represented. But Josh McDaniels has not proven that he can win. The team's not ready for the fire you just got through saying that really needs to be done. They can't do that. They're not capable of doing it. They can when it, When's the last time, under Josh McDaniels, when is the last time at the end of the game you thought, man, we're going to win this game? It's always, like you said, bite your nails. What's going to happen? What's going to happen? I mean, even, even the close of the safety the other day, that was, you got to admit, everybody just said, yeah, yeah. I'm not going to argue, and I appreciate the call. I'm not going to. I'm not going to argue with any Raider fan about the specifics of a complaint about the coach. If you have a problem with kicking a field goal instead of going for it on fourth down, if you have a problem with in-game management and the clock, which a lot of coaches deal with, if you have all that, feel free to come here. Just understand that no one on this channel, because it's the flagship partnership. I saw a thread today with a bunch of geniuses that think Mark Davis owns the station. No, he doesn't. It's owned by Lotus, my boss. We're in a partnership with the Raiders. You don't have a partnership when you have host on the air screaming, fire the coach. It never works that way. It doesn't work that way with the Giants and the Jaguars and the Packers and the Bears. No one. The alternate station in the marketplace is comfortable to do that. Matter of fact, there is no alternate station pretty much out here. And if they did, they should build it with everybody who wants to do that type of radio. And it might be fun and entertaining more than what you think I am. But as long as you understand that there is a respect level at all times, when the coach gets hired, when the coach wins or loses, the coach doesn't stay or gets a contract extension, it should be easy for all of you great listeners who are a lot smarter, many than me, to understand what we're able to do here. We're able to criticize. No one's ever told me what to ever say. No one will ever tell me what to say. But the issue comes down to you have to have a level of dignity and respect for the people you work with. Most people who are listening to me don't work in radio. They don't understand the difference between a flagship and the competing station or a podcast now or a YouTuber. They don't because it's all flying at you at your phone every 10 seconds. We try to do it here a little bit differently. And if it's not for you, there are alternate choices. I think it's for you because you've stuck behind me for 25 years. And not everybody's going to agree with everything I say. But they at least know the level of respect I have for my job, my family, my bosses on radio, in this building. And listen to the show today and print this show up in a transcript. And give it to everybody who's ever listened to me and say, judge them by this show. Because it's pretty similar to all my other shows if you dive into it. When they win, we're happy. When they lose, we're bleeping pissed off. Brian Hoyer, first down at 10 of the 25. Four man rush. It's coming home, but Royer. Throws left, and it's intercepted, Jerry Johnson. Goodbye, baby. 20, 15, 10, pick six. Touchdown, Bears. Bears radio on the call. 
The pick six there. That really hurt. JT, back with you. Brought to you by Raisin Cane's Chicken Fingers. One love. You know, I always talk about Raisin Cane's proud partner of the show. It could be the Caniac Combo, the three-finger combo, the sandwich combo, the kids combo. My kids have grown out of that. They do the box combo. They get two each. So my kids love Raisin Cane's. It's in my house constantly. And I just want to tell you what they do throughout our community. Raisin Cane supports over 30,000 local organizations nationally. And they can't do it alone. You can get in touch at the website at RaisinCanes.com. They will help support your community. Proud partner of ours on Raider Nation Radio as we welcome in Levi Edwards. A great insider on the digital team inside the building here at the Raiders. Uh, we traveled together. That was disappointing. I was hoping the Raiders would have had much more of an easier time in Chicago with the one in five Bears going into the game. How'd you say it? It's just, it's still crazy thinking about it, JT. I remember going around Chicago Friday night and Saturday, and I remember there's diehard Bears fans that were coming up to me asking me, Do you think we have a shot to win this game? So you go from, you know, Bears fans coming up to asking you, oh, do you think we even have a chance against you guys to what happened is is insane. Uh, you know, definitely Josh McDaniels, he said it yesterday and he said it today. Uh, we got out coached, we got out played, we got out hustled. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really what happened. You know, in the NFL, you have to play elite competition every week no matter what their record is and if you don't come for your if you don't come for your for your meal, it's going to get stolen. Yeah, absolutely. And what, what I thought was tough about it is I didn't think the Bears fans even thought they had a chance. Not that the Raiders are an elite team, but the Raiders 3-3 three and three coming into the game. The Bears know the history of the Raiders and Marcus Allen. We know Walter Payton, George Hallis, Al Davis. I, thought, I saw a lot of Bears fans who came into that game just to drink beer and have great weather. The weather was great and be outside with their kids. I think a lot of the fans were shocked on how badly the Raiders played. They, they couldn't believe how bad the Raiders looked on the field. You could hear it in the stadium. It's like as they pile in, it was like just such a lackluster, like low energy in the stadium. Exactly like you said, you know, the fans are coming in. They just, you know, want to have a good time. They just want to see some football. They want to see their Bears play. And then like play by play, Tyson uh, Baguette, he's making. Like literally by each play, you can just hear the audience. Yes get turned up more. You're making a good point there because they came in liking Tyson Bajan. They had nothing against him. He's got a Bears jersey on. They want their guy to win. And when he started, there were a couple of plays where Max came around the edge and almost had him. He threw across his body. The ball was caught. They'd break a tackle and get out of bounds. And I go, wait a second. We just went from a sack to him completing a pass. And then once he completed the pass, a pass, Raiders didn't even tackle. I think it's one of those things where – a lot of different things. One, they're going up against a mobile quarterback, and that's something that you have to worry about whenever you're going against a mobile quarterback is him being able to move up in the pocket. And I think, you know, for a rookie UDFA who was just playing a Division two school last year. Last year. I think he did a very good job moving right. and navigating in the pocket. Uh, he was very mobile. He made plays with his feet, extended a lot of plays, and uh, his guys were getting open. Uh, and then when his guys did make – make the catches. There's a lot of just yards after contact because of all these missed tackles, just trying to wrap up, maybe get some fumbles, things of that nature, but it just was not, just wasn't working. 
Uh, Levi Edwards from the digital team. Check out all of his work at Raiders.com on all our platforms here. One of our insiders. Always happy to have him in front of me in studio. So when we go to the tackling, it's been a long-time topic, probably for the last 10, 15 years. You can't practice tackling. You'd love to throw them in pads. You love to work them hard and say, get in pads, and we are going to go hard. You can't do that. So the fundamentals need to be taught again almost. Patrick Graham's got to go in there, especially with the way Marcus Peters played, and not to make it personal, but that was a rough watch, and, and get these guys to buy in to what they learned in college and in high school and what brought them to the NFL. Get lower, tackle from the waist lower, and put your body on the line as a professional and tackle someone. I think it's really, and it's not even just the Raiders, it's just a continuous pattern that I've noticed within the NFL. Mm-hmm. A lot of these guys, especially in the secondary, past the front, past the front seven, a lot of these guys, when they're trying to go in for a tackle, they're trying to strip the ball out. And they're always trying to create a turnover, try to make a big play. And I've noticed too many times, especially with defensive backs across the league, not just the Raiders, where you have a lot of guys trying to go in for a strip mm-hmm. and try to get the ball out, but they don't make the tackle. Like that's the that's the big thing is like no matter what you have to make the tackle, and I just noticed a lot of that from the Raiders secondary, uh, and you know that's a good thing. You know you want to create turnovers, you want to get the ball. I mean that creates momentum, it gets your offense the ball, it gets you off the field. That's great, but you got to go back to Pop Warner basics, bro. Yes. You got to make the tackle. Levi Edwards is our guest, so let's be positive because we have you on Mondays and the game's going to be played next Monday. I think it's a, a, a really big moment in this season. And I've said that a few times. I, I didn't think if the Raiders didn't get out of the gate 2-2, two and two, I don't think they'd have the, a chance to go 5-5 five and five and maybe 7-6, and six, which was what my best-case scenario was, and then have a chance at 7-6 and six or you know, sitting around maybe 8-7 and seven late in the year. It feels like that's not going to happen right now today unless they beat Detroit. And Detroit got hammered in that game. I mean, to the point where it was worse than the Raiders' loss – Clearly. So what do you think's at stake this week in practice and the message that has to be in this building to do whatever they can to get a win in the Motor City? Well, I know the Lions are going to be coming off. Uh, they're going to be angry yeah, because of what happened to them. And, and they're home. And they're at home, so they're going to have that going in. But despite how angry they are and despite however they might be feeling, this is a must-win for the Raiders. Mm-hmm. I think the Raiders are in a lot more of a desperate situation and I hate to say that word, desperate situation. You know, we're in week eight talking about desperate situations. But, like, that's what it comes down to. The Lions are five and two. The Raiders are four, or three and four. The Raiders need this game a little bit more than the Lions. Uh-huh. And I think that's the mentality that they need to have as a team going throughout this week of practice when they're cleaning things up, when they're trying to execute things, install new things against this Lions because, you know, they're down the same way they're down. Mm-hmm. So it's really just going to come down to do we want this game more? especially going into a hostile road environment. Do we want this game more than these guys? Levi Edwards, as we wrap it up. So I need to know, you know, the offense hasn't been productive all year, even in the wins. They haven't been super productive. I'm done saying they can flip the switch. They haven't proven to me they can flip the switch. But let's assume Jimmy comes back and plays. All accounts are he's going to play. If he plays in that game, do you think it looks like the playbook we've seen with him all year? Or could there be a chance that the playbook really gets wild and ridiculously fun, where there are more guys in motion. It's four wide. It's Trey running deep, Devontae crossing over with Michael Mayer. And all of a sudden you're looking at something and going, wait, I haven't seen that this year. I know Josh McDaniels behind him in the drawer behind him have all those Patriot plays that worked. 
can we put them in here and get them to work with this type of talent led by Devontae? That's a very interesting question, JT, just from the fact that I talk to, you know, McDaniels every day in these pressers, and he Mm -hmm. talks about how despite whatever things are looking right now, he doesn't want to waver away. Right. And and that's something that I've noticed is is he's always said, like, you know, I'm trying to stay the same. I'm trying to stay, you know, on this course, and we're going to do our thing. But like I said, I hate to say that word, desperate situation, but this is a must-win game. And I do truly feel that not like he's going to make drastic changes. He's still going to be him, but I can totally see him pulling some stuff out of his uh, back pocket when he needs it, especially against a very talented Lions team that they need to win against. The Raiders are only scoring 16 points a game total on offense. The only two teams behind them, that ranks 30th. Behind them is New England at 14.4, and the Giants, who are coming in next home game, 12.1. Let's assume the Giants don't do much in the next game. Giants are going to come in here roughly averaging 12 to 13 points a game. That's another opponent we have before the Jets. I mean, some of the teams that were playing, statistically including the Bears, were about as bad as you can be, and we let them off the ropes. I look at a lot of things as boxing. I've told you I'm a big boxing guy, and I like the history of boxing. And yesterday the Raiders were knocked out in the third round. That wasn't a 10th round knockout. They were knocked out early in the fight. It was over. They can't afford to happen. That can't happen in Detroit, Levi. They have to play that first quarter like the entire season's on the line. And I think Jimmy can do it. Yeah, that's something that I've noticed because I, I know the defense is going to come out. And I feel like – and that's another thing. The Lions, has a, they have a really high-octane offense. But I really do feel that the Raiders' defense is going to hold their own. I think they're going to come in with a, a, a alarm sense of urgency. Mm-hmm. You might have Nate Hobbs come back, and that yeah, might be so. huge. Uh, so when it comes down to it, the offense is going to have to come in and take care of things, and they're going to have to play just with higher energy. And whether it's, you know, when you go against the Bears, whether it was Garoppolo, whether it was Hoyer or O'Connell, it doesn't matter. Uh, the energy just wasn't there. And that's something that has to be fixed going into this next game, especially against a team like this. Win or lose, tell us about your week, Levi Edwards. What is it like now? This is, you, you, I like the matchups you do. It really helps me prep in the show to look at a couple of three matchups that you like a lot. You're out at practice. You're at the press conferences. What's the rest of the week look like? Well, There's an extra day on Monday, but the rest of the week look for you as you provide content. Well, the extra day will be nice just in terms of making sure that the team is a little bit more you know, uh, I don't want to say the word rejuvenated, but just healthier, mm-hmm. you know, feeling a lot more rested. Uh, just from a content perspective, there's going to be a lot of storylines going into this game because, A, it's mm-hmm. Monday Night Football. It's a national audience. Yeah. You know, everybody and their mom is going to be watching this game on Monday. Uh, and so it's a lot of matchups because you have a very good Lions offensive line versus a pretty solid Raiders defensive line. And Jared Goff, he's one of those quarterbacks who's been playing really well this this year. However, he's not the most mobile guy in the world, which the Raiders can kind of, if they can just find a way to get some blitzes off and, you know, put some pressure on him, I think he's a guy that, you know, I'm not saying he's going to fold, but it's a lot easier to get after him than a lot of these other kind of younger, more mobile quarterbacks. So they really have to focus in on winning that battle in the trenches. Mm -hmm. That's going to be the big thing going into this game. Excellent. Thank you for coming in studio as always. Appreciate you. I appreciate you, JT. Thank you. Have a good rest of your day. There he is, Levi Edwards. We appreciate him coming in. Thank you very much. We'll wrap it up on the other side. 
Not bad today, Raider Nation. Left the house today a little bit, a little bit interested in how the show would sound. That's why I call it the aftermath. We got through it together, and we're going to have a big week of radio. I got some Lions insiders coming up. We have the extra day. All brought to you by our great friends. Oh, my God, they're amazing. The M Resort Spa and Casino. Thank you, everyone. Stewart has it with six. Alicia Clark on her. Going to go for the jumper from the corner. Count of it goes. It doesn't go. John Quill Jones, too late. Aces win. Aces win. The Las Vegas Aces have won the championship in 2023. Back to back titles. Boom. Shaka like a boom. Nice job, our friend TC. The parade is tonight. For those going to the parade, have a great time. Uh, that's what I talked to Mark Davis about before the game yesterday. Got a chance to congratulate him, Larry Delson, uh, the people that are with the Raiders behind the scenes of the Aces here. Hope everyone who goes to the parade tonight has a great time. You know, I'm into the kids. You know, my kids are now 22 and 20. And if my kids were 14 and 12 or 22 and 20 and you want to take your kids to this parade, do it. Memories, memories last a lifetime. Go to the parade. Have a great time. Vegas, the Strip. And if you got kids in the community, fill up the car and go down there and have a good time. Congratulations to the Aces on their back-to-back championships. Uh, Ira in Tennessee, appreciate you being patient. Wrap it up for us. Uh, No worries, JT. Thank you very much for Mm -hmm. taking my call. As much as it was painful to watch yesterday's game and how everything unraveled, I'm kind of like scoreboard watching right now. I know it's week seven. Mm-hmm. We're three and four. We're second in the division. We're one game behind any four and three teams. We win on Monday night. We're four and four. Depending on what happens the rest of the NFL, we're only a game behind a wild card mm-hmm. spot. And people are up in arms that don't want that are on Twitter that fire McDaniel's. We're mm-hmm. only eight games in JT. Yeah, the issue becomes the Raiders aren't playing well, Ira. As you know, if they were playing well, there'd be more optimism. They're not playing to their ability. That's why Coach McDaniels needs a game at Detroit or somewhere else. And thanks for the call. I'm up against it. Where they play well. Once the Raiders have a game, they're one of the only teams in football. Only teams. They haven't played a good game. I mean, they beat Denver, which is great. Had signature play beating Green Bay and, and New England. But they didn't play well in those games. The offense is struggling. 16 points a game. Give us a 35-point game. Pretty much a victory. I think the optimism completely changes. I'm optimistic that the Ray. I'm not, I'm not scared of Detroit. I'm not losing sleep over Detroit. But believe me, I respect the hell out of them. And they look to be a better team. And the Raiders have a week to put together a game plan that can beat Detroit. And hopefully they're able to do it. Thanks to our guest, Mark Anderson, Levi Edwards in studio, Sam Munson. Monday nights, I'm always on the radio, 4 to 7 p.m., Sirius XM 82, Mad Dog Sports Radio. Q coming up next.